It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. I want to uh, share with you today hope for the hostages. And if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel, if you have your Bible, open it up if you have your phone, fire it up if you have your tablet, crank it up. We've got a lot of ways to look at God's Word these days, amen? If you have it memorized, then remember it. Anybody have it memorized? Okay, I didn't think so. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to look at an eerily similar situation that David and his mighty men found themselves in. During the time that David was in conflict with Saul, you know, David was the rightful king. Saul had turned away from God. Saul had, uh, you know, done his own thing and tried to kill David, and David would spare his life several times, and then David would eventually come to power, and... Saul and Jonathan would be killed in battle. So then would, then would begin the era of David. Uh, so this is the time of that transition. Uh, David has his own army, in essence, and he's out in the countryside. And uh, Saul is out there, too, trying to find David. There's a lot of uh, subversive tactics, a lot of covert activities, even in these ancient times. But David finds himself in a situation eerily similar to what happened to Israel on October the 7th. And then we'll get to the spiritual application of this here in just a little bit. So it says in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 30, and this is a decent amount of scripture, so uh, keep your place and follow along with me if you can. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south. David and them happened upon the southern part of the territory and found that there had been an invasion. So moving on, it says in Ziklag, Ziklag was smitten and it was burned with fire. You know, uh, ancient warfare, siege and invasion, and modern warfare, siege and invasion, is a little changed with the exception of, of the, the munitions used and the technology, and we saw that on October the 7th. It, in verse 2, and had taken the women captives that were there. They didn't kill any of them, either young or old, but carried them away and went on their way. The Amalekites invaded and took hostages. Verse 3, so David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. History repeats itself, doesn't it? Many times it does. Verse 4, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep, just as these people did on October the 7th and in the ensuing days. Their towns were burned, their settlements were burned, their, their men were killed. Uh, in this case, Hamas killed women and children, took many hostage, hostages with the uh, you know, with the hope that later on they could use them as bargaining chips to get back some of their people, the Palestinian terrorists, the Hamas terrorists. So uh, David and his men wept. They were broken. David's two wives were gone. Many of their kinsmen had been slain. Children were gone. It was a scene of destruction. So they stopped and they wept. They were that terrorism of this day, as it, as it is in uh, the day that we live in, is not only physically taxing, but it's psychological taxing. Uh, that's what mainly what terrorism is. Yeah, it can be destructive, but it can also work on you psychologically much longer after the smoke from the bombs or the fires or whatnot have passed. So they lifted up their voice and they wept. 
And it says in verse 5, David's two wives had been taken, Ahinoam and Abigail. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. I see uh, the current prime minister of Israel in this. Uh, Netanyahu is not very well received right now because they, a lot of people believe he allowed this to happen or their lack of, uh, you know, uh, being, being awake to what could happen uh, caused this incident that they ignored intelligence from some elite uh, Israeli intelligence agent agencies. Netanyahu, for the most part right now, is not popular, hence why they're working so hard to get some of these hostages released. You know, his doors being beat down by the uh, citizens of Israel who have lost loved ones as hostages, and rightfully so. So I see, I see him here. It's, it's almost surreal uh, reading this scripture, but then there's going to be a difference here. It says, because in verse 6, all the soul of the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Here we have David between a rock and a hard place, literally and figuratively here because they were getting ready to stone him. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David come upon this. A lot of people said, David, how could you have let this happen? You're the, you're the guy that killed Goliath. You're, you're the, the great warrior. How could this have happened? How could we not have known that the Amalekites were lurking? and waiting uh, to pounce. So they were mad at him. They were mad at him. Uh, whether he had anything to do with that or not, uh, they were upset with him. So it says that he withdrew and he encouraged himself in the Lord. He had work to do. Uh, if we read on here, uh, going down to verse uh, 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me the ephod. And Abithar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the Amalekites? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now David did the right thing here. He consulted with the Lord. He repented. Leadership, many times, whether we're, you know, that, that leadership is, is uh, you know, a part of the problem or not, leadership, at least in a church perspective, many times, and in a national perspective here, is a voice of the people, is a representative of the people uh, to God. So David, first thing he did was he got himself right with God. He, he examined himself, and he realized that his place and status with God could directly affect the outcome of these hostages, but also the outcome later on of the people, of his army, of the nation as a whole, as he gained that power. Here's why we see in the scriptures and other places God say that David was a man after his own heart. Now, David was sinful. David had his issues, David had his failures, yet out of David, the root of Jesse, would come a Savior. And I begin to see when I read this a picture of what Jesus was sent to do for each one of us, was to ransom us. I'm here to tell you today, we live in the freest country in the world still. We have the most money in the world. 
We have the most opportunities in the world. We're the freest people. I can go out and do whatever I want to today. Choose my meal. Choose whether or not I'm coming back to Awana tonight. Hint, hint, after a break. <laughs> we live in the freest place in the world with, with luxury and opportunities, but yet every day I see people walking around that are hostages spiritually. They are so bound up in sin. They think they're free, and they think they have it all, and they think they're going to live it up, and they think they're going to live forever, when in reality, they are hostages of Satan himself. Amen? They are being held ransom. And it's a sad thing to see, and, and it ought really to break our hearts. It ought really to break our hearts to see that. I see children the same age as little old head here. Uh, that cute little boy that turned nine in captivity. Praise God, he's home. I pray that he finds Christ one day out of all the things that's happened to him. I pray that the Jewish people find Jesus. I pray that they repent and turn to him. And we're told in the scriptures that will eventually happen. But there are young men and women that same age walking around being held hostage. Some of them are being held hostage sexually in the world that we live in today. We often don't talk about that going on around us, the slave trade that's going on around us. They're being held hostage psychologically. They're being held hostage in so many different ways. And we need to be the negotiators. We need to be those that are working for their release, just as countless people in Qatar and on the Israeli side with Mossad and Shin Bet and on the Hamas side and our side that helped unbelievable amounts of work and hours of work went behind these hostages being released. And there's supposed to be some released every day, this five-day uh, truce, and we'll see what happens uh, with that. But, uh, you know, Jesus stood up, Isaiah 61, and he says, I've come to set the prisoners free. He says, I've come to set the prisoners free. Now, we're not talking about people just in jail, but I'm here to tell you something today. If there's somebody incarcerated and they know Christ or they find Christ and they're in that jail and there's somebody else out here walking around free and they don't know Christ, that individual in that prison is much freer than the person on the outside walking around Amen. in a spiritual, in a spirit, from a spiritual standpoint. In the end, spirituality is all that matters. We're going to cease to exist physically. We're going to cease to exist. Our flesh is going to return to whence it came. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But we will, you're going to live forever. If you're here today, you're going to live forever. And you say, yes, I'm going to live forever. Let's go out today and live it up. The key is, is that you realize that there's two places you have a choice to go to. And it is a choice. Heaven and the beauty therein or hell. Amen. Heaven or hell. It's that simple. There's no purgatory. There's nothing biblical about purgatory. I had a conversation with a Catholic lady about this a couple of weeks ago. That we, we had a good discussion about that. And I said, nothing about that. You, need to, you have to be gentle, you know. But uh, anyway, we had a good discussion about that. And it's heaven or hell. And that begins at the nanosecond that your heart stops or the nanosecond that you breathe your last. That begins, and it's going to last 
for eternity. So David, going back to the scripture, inquired about to the Lord, repented, got himself right, said, Lord, what do I do? I'm heartbroken. I'm psychologically besieged here. My wives are gone. They did that in those days. My wives are gone. There are children, precious children, who have been abducted. You know that in Gaza there are tiny little babies that were abducted? Little babies, little infants that were abducted with their mothers, some of them, some of them without their mothers. So we pray for their successful release. We pray that this might be used to, to bring them to Christ. But going back, God said, go get them, pursue the Amalekites, and I'll return them all to you. That's some good news, wasn't it? So David mobilized. It says in verse um, 9, David went, he had 600 men that were with him and came to the creek of Besor where those that were left stayed. He left some behind. David pursued. It's almost like David and the elite went ahead. It's kind of like the Navy SEALs and the, you know, the regular army or something staying back. They, they went ahead because they were more specially trained or maybe they, they were stronger. We don't know, had more stamina. So David went, he and 400 men, I guess the elite of the elite, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not get over the creek. That sounds like my regiment right there, amen. And they found an Egyptian in the field who had been abandoned by the Amalekites. They brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. They gave him a piece of uh, fig cake and two clusters of raisins, and when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor had any water three days and three nights. David said to him, who are you with? Where do you come from? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to the Amalekites, and my master left me because I got sick. We made an invasion upon the south around the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongs to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. It's almost like talking to a moss operative that was captured after that invasion. And David said to him, can you bring me down to the company, to these Amalekites? And he said, swear unto me by God that thou wilt not kill me, nor give me back to the hands of my master, because he would be killed, and I'll tell you where they're at. I'll tell you what they're doing, where they are going. When they had brought him down, behold, they were spread upon the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of the great spoil that they had taken. Did you see any of the videos when they got back into Gaza? They were, well, they were celebrating, weren't they? They were celebrating and doing horrible things that you can't hardly watch on video to the captives. They were celebrating the spoil. They had brought back mainly human spoil, but they had brought back other things as well. So David found them doing that. And it says in verse 17, David smote them from the morning until the evening. David attacked, and don't you know they were vengeful? Don't you know that they were mad? Don't you know that they were calculated in their attack to try to rescue the hostages, just as the Israelis have been since October the 7th? Because really, their countrymen to them are everything. I, I read where there was, a, a, like yesterday I believe it was, after Hamas delayed, there was an, an Irish-Israeli girl released back to her father. And there was a video of him a couple days after the invasion and the taking of the hostages, and he was weeping, and he's saying, we're coming for you. We're coming for you. We're going to get you. And he was emotional. And thank God she was he had that Irish brogue accent, you know, but he was Israeli. Her name was Hand. 
Emily Hand. And I thought about that. That is what God tells us. That is Christmas. Think about that as we enter that season. I am coming for you. I love you. Not just prior to the rapture, but when the world was in sin and there had been talk of a Savior and prophecies of a Savior and hopes of a Savior, he kept saying, I think, and he wept. He said, I'm coming for you. I love you. Why would Jesus have wept over Lazarus? When he saw Lazarus laying there decomposing and how horrible that was, he saw sin in its ugliest state. And I believe he was that much more motivated and reminded of what awaited him at the cross. That's Christmas. I'm coming for you. And all of us here today that have named in faith Jesus is our Savior, he reminds us, maybe as we have problems in older age, maybe as we get so tired and upset with this world, he whispers in our ear through the Holy Spirit, I'm coming for you. You're mine. You're the spoil. Just as David said, shall I pursue? God said, pursue. He looked at Jesus and said, go pursue crossing the gulf that is death by your death and by your resurrection and bring them back to me. They are the spoil. They are the crown of my creation. They are made in my image. Pursue them. Did Jesus not come and pursue us? Yes. Did he pursue the prostitutes? Yes. Did he pursue the most broken in spirit? Yes. Did he pursue the sickest? He did. And he still pursues today through the Holy Spirit. He sits in heaven to the right of his Father. And he said, I'll send you the Spirit to comfort you and help you when I'm gone. And he pursues. Listen. Is he pursuing you today? through all the madness and the chaos and the fear and the uncertainty and the stuff that just clutters our lives, is He the voice of reason saying, come to me. I'm coming to you. Will you come to me? Will you return? You are the richness of the spoil. That's what He did. That's what Jesus did. So David pursued and he routed the Amalekites because of this Egyptian that had been allied with them that was left behind. It says, even until the evening of the next day in verse 17, nobody escaped of the Amalekites except there were 400 young men who got away on camels. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. I'm here to tell you something today. Since the fall... Since sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, both of them were accountable here, Satan has carried a lot of people away and a lot of abundant life away. He's, he's carried away those things, that spoil. He's carried away people psychologically. He's carried away people. And David, I see as Jesus going into battle on behalf of us, between us and the Father, going into battle to do the things we cannot do and could not do to defeat sin because He is God and man and winning us back. Returning the captives. 
I'm here to tell you something today. Jesus can deliver you from any hostage situation that's going on in your life. You say, I'm not a hostage. I'm free. I'm free. I'm good, you know. I got money. I got prestige. I got all this stuff going on good in my life. I'm good looking. I'm sought after. But you may be a hostage to drugs. You may be a hostage to alcohol. You may be a hostage to pride. You may be a hostage to ignorance, and I don't say that to be ugly. Un the choice of unbelief. You may be a hostage to so many things. And what I'm going to tell you, and what I'm here to tell you today, is that Jesus can deliver you, can ransom you from every last one of them. You hear me today? Now, wonderful. He has worked behind the scenes on your behalf. First Timothy 2.5 tells us that there is one mediator between God and man. One mediator. Not three, not nine, not other gods or other self-help gurus. There is one mediator between God and man to get us back to where we belong, and His name is Jesus. One mediator. And do you have any idea? I don't. I can only... Speculate based on God's word in my imagination what he has done to reconcile me back to my heavenly father. I've committed so many sins in my life. Some of them I didn't even realize I committed. Some of them I thought and said, you know, if I do this, nobody's really going to know. God knew about every one of them. He mediated through his son. Jesus is our lawyer. He's our hostage negotiator. Satan's standing back over here and he's got us all in a bear hug or wrapped up in chains and he's saying, you want this? This fornicator, this, this cursor, this alcoholic, this drug abuser, this whatever they are, God, you, you really? And the whole time Jesus is standing in the gap and he's negotiating and he did it by a payment, a ransom payment that is the most valuable thing that ever existed and will ever exist in the eons of the universe, his shed blood. It's the greatest ransom payment ever made. I'm here to tell you today, I don't care what your sins are, I don't care what your failures are, your fears, your worries, your shortcomings, because Lord knows we all have them. One drop of blood and your faith that that blood was shed for you at, by Christ uh, on the cross at Calvary can cover a trillion sins. Amen. One drop, it says, Hebrews 9, 22 and 23. There is no salvation, no forgiveness, except there be the shedding of blood. That's why they had to sacrifice. That's why Jesus is the sacrifice. That's why He is the ultimate forevermore sacrifice. The blood was shed to be offered to God in the Holy of Holies to buy us back. And my, what a cost. And we've been released if we're in Jesus. We're headed for heaven and we can't be bound again. We can do some stupid things here on earth that really, you know, pull us backward and, and that really pull us away from God in some ways, but yet we're still bound. We can't lose our salvation, but yet we can definitely hinder our effectiveness and the abundance of our lives by living in sin after we're saved. So we have to be very careful about that. David 
recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and rescued his two wives. And he had all this spoil. And it says in verse 19, there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered it all. And that's what Christ did for you. He recovered it all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they had drawn before those and said, this is David's spoil. And David came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were there with him. And he saluted them. You see, they were still his comrades, even though they had fallen back a little bit. Let us not forget the brethren in Christ, the brothers and the sisters in Christ that do fall, fall back and become weak. Let us... Love them and salute them. Let us pray for each other and encourage each other because we do have our weak days, don't we? Where it seems like we just can't win. We can't get into the battle and be effective. But we're still in the fight. Amen? Even someone who's physically disabled, even a Christian that may not be able to, to serve in certain ways or teach or even get to church, if they can pray, if they can lift their eyes up to the Father, they're still in the fight. And they are... Just as important. So let us encourage each other. David divided the spoil. You see, when we get to heaven by our faith in Jesus, God accepts us by that and only by that into heaven. He's going to share with us the glory and the riches of heaven. He's going to heap glory on us that Christ won. We're going to be partakers in that glory. I mean, my goodness, we're going to get to walk on golden streets and pat and lean up against emerald-studded jasper walls and see the gates of pearl and that's just the beginning and the city's going to never be dark. The city's always going to be lit by the light of the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. There's a, a, a brook that flows from the throne that waters and sustains the nation along with the tree of life. There's so much there that we don't know about that's going to be wonderful. God has prepared that for us because we are his ultimate spoil. He desires us, wants a relationship with us, but yet we have to come to him as he outlines. Jesus is the mediator. and We can't say, well, I don't want Jesus to be my mediator. I want Mohammed or I want Buddha or I want Joseph Smith or somebody else. You can't do that. You have to come through Jesus. Amen. Only Jesus. Peter said there's no other name under heaven might, by which men might be saved than Jesus. And that's not, well, it is included. It is exclusive, isn't it? I'm a member of an exclusive club. Not by right, but by mercy and grace. Amen? Through Jesus Christ. You see, I believe here today, and I'm getting ready to close, I believe here today that we may have some hostages among us. You drove here, you got up, you made the choice to come. But obviously you're here for a reason. God loved you enough to bring you to this place because maybe he had a word for you. Maybe you're a hostage. Maybe you say, if I could just get rid of this in my life, I, this addiction, this problem that I have, I can't put it down. This fear, I, I'm telling you, fear can take you hostage, amen? The devil can take fear and go, no, you can't teach an Awana. You can't deal with them kids. You're too weak. You don't know enough. 
Oh, Satan, he's crafty and he's full of guile and he'll deceive you. But God says in Christ, if it be his will, yes, you can. I'll give you the power to be able to, to be in the fight. I'm here to tell you today, you may be the, the hostage negotiator. Now, Christ can, there's only one that can save, but you may be a part of that negotiation team from heaven that God may use to release somebody from their chains. Christian, witness, by the way you live, by the way you act, by the way you love, by sharing God's word in service and in humility. You say, I don't deserve any of this. God has made it possible through Jesus, and I believe in Jesus. Have you placed your faith in Jesus because he'll ransom you from the pits of hell? He'll ransom you from those chains. He'll release the chains. He'll put Satan behind you. And he'll say, I've got a job for you to do. You have a purpose. You're important to me. I love you. I have done the work behind the scenes. And the world could see on the cross at Calvary to release you, to give you heaven, to bring you back to my Father. And you know, when we get to heaven, I kind of, picture the Christian as that young boy when he saw his father at the distance coming out of the hell hole that Gaza is and it is he saw his daddy back in the promised land didn't he he'd come back to Israel and he saw his dad didn't know if he'd ever see him again and I, was, I thought that was so cool when he saw him he stopped and waved and then he took off and was welcomed into his arms I'm here to tell you today for the Christian that's heaven and what we have to look forward to. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.com. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Welcome.